0: even watching the sopranos
1: yeah i just watched uh this is all spoilers right we can spoil all spoilers yeah yeah Yeah. i just watched the episode where christopher dies ah Uh, oh good one yeah now have you you been you've you've seen that before i've seen the whole show once before okay maybe maybe like one of the seasons twice um and uh it's way different the second time around totally Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But just, yeah. Just like it's the 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 structural composition of the show is much more apparent when you sort of know how it's going. Well, when you get to the um, point where you can watch them
0: acting, you see like kind of the artistry behind it and the amount that they're like, there's so many good actors like yeah. and performers kind of uh, really... Uh, Like a good NBA, like the best NBA teams, just like really (laughs) performing at like above their normal level here. Um, Yeah. Powered by just one of the best of all time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just found out his son is going to be the star of the prequel movie that's coming out like in the spring or something.
0: Yes. I don't know. He's. Yeah. I don't know. He's
1: I'm not sure that he's the
0: star of it. but he is in it
1: presumably as tony yes because they look just alike yes totally Um, yeah um um,
0: yeah that's so so what so you've been watching it second time through i i've probably watched it through maybe four times but Uh have been recently kind of skipping around uh watching some favorites some favorite arcs um Listening yeah. to the absolutely delightful Talking Sopranos podcast with Michael Imperioli and um, uh, Steve um, Buscemi. No, Steve and Uh ah. Bobby. Um, yes, and okay. uh, which is great because Michael Imperioli is like not even that happy to be doing the podcast, but is extremely <laughs> into it, and they talk about it on like several levels because. You realize they're like, they love the show as actors. They like love the show as like, as like the family, like a very uh-huh. close knit family. Uh uh-huh. And then they also are all like kind of like now friends with people in the mob too. Oh really? Yes. And like the guy, for instance, the guy who, yeah. uh, who is the, like the FBI boss. Yeah. Like, not, you know, not... Oh, yeah, I
1: know who you're talking about. Not Agent the, the, Harris,
0: but the boss, the older guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who's, like, like owns yeah. a famous restaurant in, like, uh, in, like, in Manhattan that, like, you can't go to unless you're, like, friends with him. Like, people just have, oh, really? like, tables. You can't get a reservation. Like, you just have to, like, have a table <laughs> that you go to every Monday. Like, and he's, like, this very connected guy and he's like playing that guy is in
1: that guy is connected that's hilarious i mean yeah (laughs) i
0: mean he has this restaurant you know i mean like he's
1: like and his like
0: it's like called rouse you can get like the sauce in like the fucking grocery store too
1: like wait he owns the restaurant associated with the high quality grocery store pasta yes yes that's amazing
0: it's really (laughs) yes so that's like these layers you get into and they're like all friends with him on these different
1: levels and he's in the wow. show. That's great because that guy both seems pretty Italian in the show and uh is actually like he delivers a good performance as this sort of like angry he's great. clueless middle manager guy. And
0: like a little pervy and weird. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. good. Um <laughs> that's just what you get the Talking Sopranos
1: podcast. That's why I've been yeah, back man. into the show. Oh man, it's so good. I mean, just like You know, so I watched Mad Men just before this, Mm -hmm. which obviously related show, like a lot of the same creators, some actors shared, including I totally did not realize that Dr. Faye was uh, 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 Chris's uh, wife. But um, uh, anyway,
0: yes, um, that one took me a while.
1: Yeah, it took me it took me just a couple scenes this time around, just because I just watched uh, Mad Men not long ago. But I was like, what is that face? But anyway. Um, and uh, You know I loved Mad Men Watching that, mm-hmm. it was great, it was a really good show And um, just like In terms of the things I really care about Like characterization And psychological depth And so forth like It's, it's not close It's not even remotely close to me Yeah, uh, Between the two shows Um, no no just the level i there's no tv i've seen and i you know for a while i was even saying i thought breaking bad was the greatest tv show ever which i still would say it's got the greatest the most well-constructed plot of any yes uh, as entertainment yes yeah but like just the level of um uh of 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 character, really, of yeah. humanity, is crazy on this show.
0: The Spr- it's it really is the best TV show, and these shows, that, and it, it supposedly started this golden era of television. But these other shows are not at its at its not even close level at all. They yeah. they don't like because I guess the thing is the Sopranos just steers away from like these easy entertaining choices constantly to like continue building. Oh. A more it's, entertaining, or uh, more enriching, psycho, yeah, drama, yeah.
1: yeah. No, I agree. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, the show like goes out of its way to be like um, to try to get you to. Uh, I don't know. I guess this is an obvious point that many made. It goes out of its way to try to to make you realize how bad of a person Tony is. It's a lot easier the second time around. Yes. Like, oh my god. Partially because I'm almost forty, and it's just like the the fantasy aspect of being in the mafia is a lot less appealing once you're a grown up. Um, yes, even if you don't like active as a twenty year old, it's not like you're like, oh, I want to be in the mafia, but it's like it's cool, you know. The um, the occasional whereas now I watch it and I'm like, this job fucking sucks. <laughs> like this is a <laughs> terrible job. <laughs>
0: and the it's the, like the occasional he... telegraphing of like the the sociopathic killing like just cold-blooded killing is uh it's 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 a dead giveaway the second time around
1: yeah yeah totally and it's you would want to be like you know sometimes you feel like it's laid along a little thick but it's like he had they had to do that to get people to even acknowledge it instead of just fantasizing about it Mm -hmm. you know um but no um like just thinking about about tony's job like so he's got I mean, he's somewhere between very wealthy and just, you know, flashy upper middle class lifestyle. Yeah. Um, it's implied in the, one of the episodes I just watched that his cash flow is pretty shitty, actually. But, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so maybe for him you could make a case for it, but everybody underneath him, like, like, you can get almost any office job that gives you a similar lifestyle, and not be threatened with murder if you fuck up at work like it's just in material terms not a good deal in any way um yes it's it's kind of funny yes like like christopher in
0: the early seasons could easily be driving a range rover without having to like murder people
1: yeah he lives in like a shitty apartment he could be like successful at starbucks and do that you know (laughs) yes yes yes
0: but you get some, you get some cool stuff for free, Paul. It's all about the perks it's, of the swag. Well, it's
1: all about the social cachet. Yes, yeah. exactly. You get to feel like a big shot because people have to kiss your ass, which actually does matter to people. But that too, that in itself is sick. Yeah. So you know, I think um, I think the yeah. one of the 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 points that
0: I the point I was going to make to you that that prompted me to say let's talk about the Sopranos again was that yeah. I th- I. Took me a long time to figure out what I think the best episode is. But I think it's yeah. I think it's the last episode of season two, Funhouse, where they kill Big Pussy. I think that episode is like That one's very good television
1: the the, the is, sequence is that one have the dream sequence where he realizes it's pussy or is yes that before that? yes
0: that's okay. all in that episode where he okay. gets sick he's having the dreams about it oh yeah and, yeah the sickness is awesome and yes. and the whole sequence from like find like going to his house to like pick him up to going out to the boat is just yeah perfect television
1: it's really good um i'll have to decide i don't know i'm so I, I, as you may recall, uh, only watched the last half season very late for no particular reason, like right. in the last few years. Um, and uh, at the time, I was like, sort of like, well, this is good, but it didn't like grab me as much. And, it, you know, obviously there's a lot to think about and everything. Watching it when you actually know what's going on and haven't forgotten everything in the eight years since you watched the previous uh, episodes. Um I really appreciate the, the sheer grimness of this final season. Yes. Like, it's fucking bleak. It's, um, it's the
0: only show that like does that where it like takes what it's earned and it doesn't just like build to a climax, but it just sort of grinds yeah. through this like dark and yes. period,
1: which is a perfect logical extension of everything that's happened
0: before. Yes.
1: And a good match for reality. Um,
0: I do have to say, is, yeah. the second time through, I feel like the veto in New Hampshire stuff is better.
1: Oh, I liked it the first time, actually. Yeah. Um, I found it actually kind of touching the first time. Um, the second time, that was actually a little tempered by... Uh, having more memory of what a piece of shit Vito is, uh, <laughs> apart from his persecution. That's another one where, uh, like,
0: he's on the way back, or and he just, like, runs into that guy and just shoots him. And you're yeah, like, oh, this guy's all person. fucking suck." Yeah, they're
1: so bad. <laughs> they resort to murder like...
0: immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, that was, was funny. I was thinking about that, like, afterwards. Like, he... He wasn't even on the run from the law. He could have put his driver's license out there. Like, he was just laying low from his buddies. (laughs) Right, yes. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, no. um, uh, They're all terrible people. That's the other thing is, like, you know, uh, Chris, Uh, a lot of bad things happen to that guy. A lot to feel bad about. Just a terrible person. Just (laughs) really awful. Uh, yes what women you know um abuses drugs obviously in a pretty sickening way i I think he i mean just they all blame each other for everything and can't handle any shit he
0: he ultimately is like evidence of like when you're like these people some like some of them are like could have enough good to be redeemed he's sort of like that shown and to be like fault like fault like they chose it's not like something that's being done to them i think that it's like you, he, I you he's think. making these choices and and e- even if he's like more likable he's yeah. ultimately not it it's not like there's like some redemption waiting for the better mob people or the better you know psychopaths
1: yeah i mean the nicest guy in the mafia or in their crew is uh bobby uh yeah. especially early in bobby's arc he's like a genuinely nice guy um and uh you know he's kind of a piece of shit too does some, yeah. bad, does some really bad S- things sopranos so, home
0: movies another top yeah. top top oh my five God. episode
1: i okay so technically speaking uh deadwood has my favorite uh on-screen tv fist fight mm-hmm. that i've ever seen in season three i don't know if you've ever seen that. Show. i haven't seen deadwood uh, no okay it's really good uh you know that required viewing but it's excellent um Anyway, uh, this one was really close. Like the Bobby Tony fight is awesomely staged. It is brutal watching two men that big trying to kill each other with their bare hands. Yes, um, really great. And I, I was um, listen. They were talking to like the uh,
0: I think the director. I think the director of photography for that episode on yeah. Talking Sopranos. They talked about how when they were at that location for a week. Everyone was, like, at the hotel every night, getting, actually getting as drunk as they are (laughs) in that episode.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. So they are hungover and pissed off. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. That's great. Uh, Well, yeah. Um, Sopranos, the greatest show ever. I guess the only show i would have to see to really check whether it's the best uh, to rewatch is The Wire. But even that, I feel like I probably won't feel like it is
0: yeah david simon annoys me too much for that to well it could be better but you know
1: um he's uh i see what you're saying i don't know i don't his is he is he too much of a of a lib i haven't like followed his tweets sometimes i've seen them he's kind of like a lib that swears a lot on twitter Uh it's
0: it's it's worse it's like scott adams and a lib got married
1: yes 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 yeah he does give off that like come on people why don't you just listen to me vibe yeah which is yeah
0: we all know c-lab 2021 is the best show ever made (laughs) well that's true
1: the first the first season yes my
0: god that's uh
1: television perfection
0: that's a just miss don't uh uh what it Why won't you miss just once? I can't even remember what the meme says now. I posted it this morning. Yeah, you did. Miss just once. Um, uh, I had a good segue. Well, Paul, you uh, Michael Imperioli posted about how much he likes My Bloody Valentine and said that James Gandolfini (laughs) had a vinyl copy of Dookie in his dressing room that he would listen to, like in his trailer. He loved Green Day.
1: So he was like 33 when that album came out. That's funny. Yeah, that's an rules. interesting choice. Yeah, I mean 33. I, I plenty of my favorite music came out when I was 33. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, I It just, wasn't pop. You punk,
0: can really see him singing along to that. You know, uh, yeah. to the, like "Basket Case." Well, I mean,
1: if he was born in 1960, he might have been a punk guy. You know. Yeah, that's um, a good. That's when. That's right. when his character was investigate was born in his life. his music
0: tastes um but that's for a different episode because we're here to talk about uh we were just talking about one of the best the best tv shows of all time now we're going to talk about the best one of the best albums of all time
1: mm, i butchered that Let's yeah see. we might actually be transitioning between the best tv show of all time and the best album <laughs>
0: there you go you said it better
1: <laughs> thank
0: you joe um okay now we're gonna play a little music right here um Should so i
1: actually play something or
0: yeah I, I, yeah i mean I, I don't know i was thinking about that like I, I it's gonna be a pain in the ass to like play a bunch of kit to like download and play a bunch of kid a yeah uh is it a pain in the ass to just play the tracks
1: no it's not too bad all
0: right well, why don't you play you know play just don't play the whole thing play like 30 seconds of everything in the right place which i know is like fucking sacrilege. yeah you're but. cutting out real bad now oh you're i'm cutting out
1: yeah well now i hear you
0: i think i just moved my arm in front of the i don't know where the mic is on the computer Um, got it There's no
1: it was it was a it was a a a digital dropout not a things are too quiet dropout got it
0: um Yeah. yeah the wireless sucks a little bit up here in the in the garage yeah savage beast uh i'm joe gallagher uh with me as always it's uh the uh first human clone <laughs> paul McCloud. <laughs> that worked on more that worked on several levels
1: yeah <laughs> Have you heard my theory about what we should do with human cloning? That did actually work out. I like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, my my theory on human cloning and how we should actually use it. No, go for it. So you've noticed, um, perhaps, that there are a lot of identical twin big men in the NBA. hmm uh, Yes. Because, um, you know, there are obviously some differences between them. Hor- Harvey, uh, Horace Grant was better than Harvey. Uh, Brooke Lopez is better than Robin. Um the the two twins, the Collins twins, one was gay, but otherwise they were at the same skill level. Um, uh, but they they have pretty similar, you know, they both make it. They have pretty similar careers, uh, relatively similar skills. We should be cloning all NBA greats from history who were over seven feet tall. Um, I like. We this. would have. We could have, like a surfeit of Shaqs, Wilt Chamberlains. Uh, you know, you just have to zoom in for that, I assume. Um, Kareem's—it's um, pretty well established that if you get the identical DNA in another body, you're going to be at least twenty percent as good as the uh, the other guy who has that DNA. Um, if you, you know, devote yourself to basketball and everything, so um, we could like flood the Hall of Fame with Shaquille O'Neal clones. <clears throat> uh, a million.
0: Let's. What about like? what is it like 20 tiny shacks or like <laughs> one shack that's twice as big like who, who wins in
1: a, in a basketball game uh the twice I, I, just a I just meant a fight not... okay. <laughs> um, i just meant a fight okay um good mean, twice blood. as big shack yeah no i'm serious about that though i mean like you can't do it for obvious e- and you know good ethical reasons but it would work is all i'm saying
0: it would be that that would. That's a fine use of human cloning to improve the NBA by mm-hmm. a more, a to bring amount. back
1: the, to bring back the post-up game. That's what I'm saying. People complain about how there's no back to the basket play anymore, but if you cloned all the guys who were good at it,
0: think about it. I like it. I will think about it. I didn't expect to start our podcast about kid a this way, but that's uh it's an unexpected album mm-hmm. full of twists it's a and turns. Podcasts. It is. Um, Paul, today we're talking about Kid A, which is a little over twenty years old. Um, mm-hmm. We, because of the pandemic, uh, I believe we were denied um, a timely yes. release of the special edition. Yeah, uh, I
1: was thinking about that recently, and I assumed that they has that like been officially said. Tom, or is that Tom just York
0: the assumption? was uh, in several interviews for his uh, solo tour early in the year mentioned that he was going through the material for it and there seemed to be vague indications that they were going to tour around it
1: yeah
2: so we can only well, hope that
0: that that happens or that their next tour will have a heavy kid a focus
1: that would be awesome and yeah i i don't blame them for not releasing a you know 50 to 100 vinyl edition during the middle of a pandemic. Yes, That seems like the kind of thing that Radiohead would find off-brand for themselves.
0: Yes, so um, next year they'll hopefully put it out, uh, which is fine because uh, obviously all of Amnesiac is recorded at the same time as Kid A, um, so, mm-hmm. so we'll line up nicely.
1: Um, this this So this is going to allow my idea that I think I said on this podcast that they should just release a recut double album or you know triple vinyl or whatever it ends up being of the two albums together
0: i'd be into that as long as the kid a part part of the album was sequenced as long as the sequence wasn't changed
1: oh no see i'm saying they should just like treat it like a double album and resequence the whole thing i can't i like the sequence of kid a too much for that but i i would like that also but i want okay yeah see
0: mastered version of kid a as is
1: that's a fair opinion my point was along the lines of we already have kid a let's use this as a chance to sort of do something interesting that fits with the original releases to some extent it would be very radiohead but, to give us all the tracks and let us sequence
0: it mm-hmm. like digitally well you can like kind you, of if they, they, they you, it's not track it's not you track. can already do that <laughs> well yes, you could already do that just not on vinyl i want their permission to do it ah. <laughs> see <laughs> very you know fair enough look sigarose gave us permission to title their album whatever they want we wanted oh really which is the two parentheses none of the the two parentheses that album you're supposed to write in whatever name you wanted to give it
1: oh okay well that's cool yeah it's just funny when you put it as gave us permission (laughs) it is yes um suggested it would be cool yes i can go along with that I could, it's just like, I could see like the special, you know,
0: I, let's not get into it. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I, we're excited. I'm excited for what they do. I think they'll do something better than either you and I could think, either you or I could think of. Um, I mean,
1: it's interesting too, because there are no B-sides for Kid A at all. So,
0: um. That's true. Well, yeah, I think the, kid, yeah, the B-sides only came out for, for Amnesiac. That's right. Yeah. Good point. They released no singles. Um, um so, Paul, this, this album, um, uh, is, I think we're going to go through track by track. Um, some of them spend more time on it than others, but I think at the beginning, um, and I just ask a question that maybe we'll return to at the end, which is like, kind of, what was the impact of this album for you, for everyone? Because there were a lot of articles that came out talking about how this, album changed everything what it you know what it yeah. meant and it's it's an interesting question to really think about like what um yeah this uh admittedly um i don't know when you want to get to the point where we gush about the album just being awesome i mean i think but,
1: people can just assume that we love the album yeah but um how great it is but but
0: but but what's the impact of it
1: well, I probably said this on the podcast before, but when it came out, I literally spent a week listening to no other music on purpose. Yes. Um, which I've never done with any other album. Um, that, is, that is actually a big thing for me. Um, uh, and um, not only that, I then... So this came out, was it September, October? It was sometime in the fall. October 2000. What? 2000, yes. Yes. And um, uh, not only did I do that, but then I also kind of like spent six months like giving up on guitar rock and deciding that it all sucked and was boring. Which granted was mostly because um, like you and I were had the misfortune of or fortune of growing up in an era when um, rock and roll actually was like synonymous with pop music briefly one last time. Mm -hmm. Like actually good rock and roll was. Yes. uh, In the 90s. And so I thought that was, like, a thing that was possible. Um, And then uh, it became, you know, Stank and Puddle of Mud and um, Slipknot. Yeah. Um, And uh, uh, so as a result, you know, I thought all that stuff um, sucked balls. And then Kid A came along and was awesome and was a rejection, uh, or at least pitched as a rejection of uh, guitar rock. And so I decided that just like I too was over guitar rock um, and uh, like spent all the spring of 2001 listening to Apex twin and downloading every last Apex twin track that could be found on Napster and whatever else yes. I was using at that time. Um, and I assembled a pretty, uh, pretty complete collection actually of Apex twin MP3s at the time. Um, <coughs> I can't believe you used to have to do that. But anyway, um, so, yeah, it was a huge impact on me. It wasn't until I then listened to Modest Mouse at your behest late that next spring that I decided that guitars actually could do good things again. Um, so uh, it was a big deal for me, and I have to confess total basicness in that regard.
0: Well, um. <laughs> it, it's it's important to, I think, remember the context that – it mtv was still a force to be reckoned with back then there was still this Mm -hmm. mainstream music press and media machine that sort of despite itself pushed this album and Mm -hmm. uh it's not just that the album appeared and encouraged people to uh abandon guitar rock but that was like part of this marketing aura around it um i i think i remember for later radiohead album maybe hail to the thief you know pitchfork mentioned how they like radiohead starts up the marketing juggernaut and there always is this like this component to their albums and, and maybe even maybe more starting with this one or with "OK computer that it's like it's this this sea change is happening and you know that is sort of kind of the impact was that you know this this one band was suddenly uh directing the flow of yes. of rock music and certainly the the art art of rock um, in yeah. a particular direction
1: Well, I mean, at the time, and maybe to this day, like what 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 other rock bands? Are have been, and I mean that you know specifically as rock, not any other form of pop. Uh, are have been considered like artistically important by the mainstream press, other than Radiohead in recent times. Yeah, not um, not. I mean, beyond like Pink Floyd, I guess the Strokes for a while probably held a spot like that. You know where uh, middle brow smart people had opinions about the strokes yeah but like i think for
0: a band like the strokes they are talking more about like there's a this is what's cool
1: ah um, yes no that's fair aspect to it and as opposed to this is what the artistic geniuses in whose presence we bask are doing um which is what you get with the radiohead coverage a little bit yes
0: correct um and i think that's you know and and this monumental this monumental shift from rock to electronic yeah. which you know as as you go through the album is is you know kind of happened kind of maybe yeah. maybe I mean, it, was it, was oversold in terms of like uh you know yeah ev- it not every single track is idiotic
1: yeah and not and the whole concept is less probably original than it was billed as as well um yeah and you f- know yeah it, There's plenty of super experimental music well before them. I mean, like, we did an episode on that, like, Hot Hot Heat album from the late 70s, which is at least as weird as this, and yet in the quote-unquote rock uh, tradition. Um, uh, Well, it's... it's, it's, Idiotech itself
0: is based on an experimental music sample. um, Yes. uh, Of... Uh, a called Princeton Mild, Mild Unlis, a computer music piece by Paul mm. Lansky.
1: You know? Yeah. Which he programmed with punch cards, as I recall. Yes. Um, But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just that this band that had managed to... I mean, like, as far as marketing goes, and, you know, I don't think either of us is criticizing Radiohead with all of this, but it's just just analyzing how marketing works, really. Um, As far as marketing goes, like... The move of doing like sort of just like a uh, one like sort of straight ahead rock album that had one really big single to making a very emotional rock album Mm -hmm. to making a slightly experimental um, and uh, and, you know, very interesting rock album in OK Computer to going fully weird like that was the perfect Bait and hook the critics arc a band could have. I think you know as long as you execute it right, that was um, the way to make to establish yourselves as the intellectual geniuses of rock music. Yes, Um, to do it it, those things in that order because like you know, OK Computer set up the idea that like oh this band is creative and interesting and does weird things, and then with Kid A they you know just fully you know fully did weird things in the sense that like it was a significant break from what Radiohead was doing before that, Um, even if. There was still some rock elements, but um, uh, it it made it seem like they were reinventing all of music when they were really more reinventing Radiohead. And it just happens that they're so good at being radio at making music that when they do something like that, it feels like they're reinventing all of music. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yes, yes, they are. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Well, it's, it was important that they were uh, bold and yes. uh, determined to do this um, and open to people coming along with them. And mm-hmm. kind of, you know, they they put these blurbs out on blurbs, it's not the blips on MTV you know, they were playing these little 15 second interstitials, mm. which I was like watching on my shitty TV in my freshman college dorm <laughs> room um, and doing things like playing the entire album on MTV 2 the night before it came out, which I didn't listen to because I didn't want to listen to it. I heard 10 yep. seconds of everything in its right place on my friend's computer that he would pirated. And I was like, that was enough for me. That was maybe like a week before. And I was like, I just had those those little notes in my head uh yep he kind of insisted on it my friend brian madol i get why he did it um it's not cool though i can manage to
1: keep myself pure
0: we you know i it's 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 all part of the experience and then you know i i remember that day in october skipping my like japanese study group to like sit there and listen to it alone in the dorm room you know and it's that's uh 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 it's definitely along with Neutral Milk Hotel's *In the Airplane Over the Sea*. Mm. The, the only album that I liked every song immediately the first time I listened to it, and just was into the entire album. Um, which isn't maybe not that important a distinction, but just it, it's it it was uh, transformative start to finish. Um, listening to it and and just to have that build up to that. Um, and have it fulfill that promise is, you know, that's where we, we, when we, you say we're not criticizing them for the marketing, it's because they, everything that said they were going to do, they do, they did in the album.
1: That's fair. Yeah. It is that good. It was, it was as good as you could have hoped for, which is rare, um, that you can let yourself fall that into something and it. It turns out not to burn you. For sure
0: and to get back to this song and the next song
1: <laughs> is that
0: for everything in its right place and the next song kid a mm-hmm. is that from reading about it these song, these two songs were the start of radiohead as we know them now which you know i love the band i love all five members they're you know as as a fanboy probably the only band that i'm like mildly fanboyish about to mm-hmm. this point that i like the members but like that you have their posters on your that's true each of them individually but these two out these two i think it was colin that said it it was tom and johnny and radiohead six man the producer nigel just went off and made these song, these two songs like by themselves and that is like how the radiohead of this album beyond all the good, all the songs have sort of like kind of been structured off of that. But you know, it's always been about this collaboration between this amazing rock songwriter Tom and like this amazing instrumental innovator and composer Johnny. But like this album is where they were like, we are going to, we are going to make these songs. And that's like the the core of, yeah. of the album.
1: Well perhaps it's my uh my hopeful um egalitarian streak but you know I would I imagine it being less as a, a less of a distinction that like um you know it's about Johnny and uh Tom and Nigel now and more that it's just like we're not like creating songs to be played by a five piece band we're just making music and everybody can contribute what they can contribute or not yes um, is how i think of that shift
0: yes and yeah and i think that's it and i think you know you hear that like there was a lot of you know it sounds like there were nights where they were just like tom and johnny had like made these mixes done these things and like colin is just like playing songs on like of like old jazz records be like no it should sound more like this but like not playing yeah. on it and like there, there it's yes you're right so it's like this album is more of this like collaboration between five good musicians Mm
1: -hmm.
0: versus like recording five of them. Yeah.
1: it be like, okay, here's the drum part for this song. And here's the bass part for the song. And here's the acoustic guitar part for the song. Yeah. It's just more like, what does this song need?
0: As, as Ed said back then that I remember, I think there's only live guitar on five of the 10 songs. Uh, That
1: that sounds about
0: right. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe we should talk about those. <laughs> um,
0: let's talk. Let's talk about more of this. Uh, let's talk. Let's let's play a bit of Kid A, the song. Okay, cool. Last week, or maybe two weeks ago, two, about a week and a half ago, we'll say that's that's about right. I was at uh, in Moab, Utah, and I mm-hmm. hiked up uh, mm-hmm. by myself to see the Delicate Arch uh, in Arches National National Park, which um, is uh, a big ass uh, natural formation. Uh, unsurprisingly, it is an arch. Uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, on the Utah license plate among many many
1: other places um, just uh imagine a picture of an arch in Utah and you've probably <laughs> seen a picture of that arch
0: you are uh, it's much bigger than you think um and it's mm. at the top of a, of like a uh mesa or whatever formation it's like not on the ground, which is surprising um, mm. so that gives it more of a, a monolith feel um yeah. But uh, I I hiked up there. It was not a path for kids, so I went by myself. Um, And uh, it's a cool path. You go straight up like a big sandstone dome, uh, just kind of like open rock, just kind of walking up. And then uh, there's a nice part where you're kind of clinging to the side of a cliff going around, and uh, then it comes into view. And uh, I brought my headphones, and uh, it's kind of like feeling a little buzz from just like the latent vertigo of getting up mm-hmm. there and uh yeah i put on i put on this song kid a it had been in my head i was like this is going to be the song i listened to uh and um you know it proved whatever this,
1: you just said i did not hear by the way but go ahead <laughs> uh
0: i said i said um i put on this song yeah. as I, after the late the latent vertigo i put on this song kid a uh yeah. and um uh it uh was a powerful experience to um um was a natural high uh to be staring at this this wonder and listening to the song and as i listened to it uh there's sort of like this big bowl of rock there it's like there's like a big dip in the middle and you could like kind of walk around the bowl the like edge of the bowl to get to the arch but as i was sitting there along on the edge of the bowl uh this raven floated up on the updraft and it was like what? it was not even flapping its wings right it's just like it's like rising on the wind and it kind of like uh then that raven kind of went away from me and landed on the arch as i mentioned uh-huh. the song and then another raven came up after it and that raven slowly passed over me and again it's just not flapping its wings it's just like cruising yeah. on the wind and i'm listening to this song and i'm just like like i have really never had like a natural high before but right now I'm like i actually feel yeah. incredibly high because this is uh this is this is wild um, well i think
1: i think that's important in several uh, religions joe um, <laughs> yes 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 it is you are now marked to um die in a uh torturous but religiously significant way i
0: was wondering so, if the raven enjoy. was bringing life or death i haven't decided yet <laughs> uh know. but i i think that it, this album like it's it's it really besides being it's perfectly appropriate for that situation it's appropriate for an amazing number of situations it's very it's like a shape-shifting album and it like it really fits yes you could so many different moods and like climates and settings and like different you could be like up there on like a mountain or it could be in like a grimy like you know cityscape in a very like human situation ready to listen to Mm -hmm. this album And it really, really, it just, it, it's, it's appropriate for all of those. And that's one of its outstanding qualities.
1: As long as you're prepped to, uh, to think about, um, I don't know how to put it. Just, uh, (laughs) the deep mysteries of life, let's say. And there are lots of situations where that's a good place to do. Um, this is a good album for that mindset, I would say. Yes. And certainly, uh, as you know, um, uh, uh, animistic crows, um, uh, fly over your head, uh, is a good onto, yes. onto like just unbelievably, yeah. um, sp- spectacular natural rock formations. Uh, that's that's definitely a good situation, and I'm with you. Um, I think both of us just think of Radiohead as the band for this situation, true. But, um, that's why we have a podcast, yes, that's why you, dear listener, are listening to absolutely. That.
0: Uh- um, yeah go ahead what what makes this this song is uh this song is is maybe one that is the uh it's hard to say it might be the the the, like what's like weirdest song on the album quote unquote um but Mm. uh whatever that means but it's it's you know, Tom has a very weird modulator on his voice, but it's it's so good. And I guess my question to you is what what makes this song so good? Yeah. Because I know you so love that's it. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I do. Um I because I get what you're saying by it, it, it is in some ways the weirdest song, even though I don't actually think it's the weirdest song. Um uh In limbo mm-hmm. is significantly weirder. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but Um, I get why you say it, just because this is the one, this is the one that most of all, even more than everything in its right place, which is, I don't really know why this is different, but this one feels more like this is just Tom and a laptop, um, which is weird. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe because it is accessible in a pop way, yet, uh, is just a bunch of electronic sounds and a really processed vocal, um... That's what makes it seem weird. It seems weird that something that um, I mean, I don't mean pop like it's going to you know play on, uh, you know, after uh, who's even popular in pop anymore, Joe. Um, <laughs> I was going to say Billie like, Eilish. Yeah, let's say that it's not going to play like after that, although probably Billy Eilish or Ward will cover this song at some point. Um, but uh, I mean, it's like John it Mayer has, has pop- covered this song who John Mayer ah true and also um uh, uh uh Radar Brothers yeah or not Radar Brothers uh what is the brothers the ones with, led by Chris Thiel the mandolin guy the folk people anyway going on, moving on um it, it 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 for people like you and me who like to listen to this kind of stuff weird art music mm-hmm. um this hits in a sort of pop song kind of way like it's catchy and it's sort of bouncy um, whereas you know, some others, um, and it's weird that it could be that way despite being constructed the way it is, is, I guess, my theory of what makes it seem so weird and yet so good, also, that it could do both.
0: It's, yeah, it's, it's, um, I think the, the, a theme that goes throughout this album as you, um, unpack it is that there is a bit of uh trickery is a wrong word but there's every single song is like a would be good on like acoustic guitar uh like singer songwriter style like they're all very good rock songs with the Mm -hmm. exception of tree fingers but you know uh yeah. <laughs> uh but you know that sped it up five times yeah yes uh <laughs> like this song if it was just like tom and a guitar would be good and i th- would be great yeah and i think that's sort of that they're all um these pop songs kind of like that's where that that pop song feeling yeah. gets to is that there is fantastic songwriting beneath this absolutely enchanting instrumentation and arrangement
1: yeah it's pretty easy to imagine that sort of soft main synth riff being played on an acoustic guitar actually and it probably is how tom demoed it um yeah uh i guess that yeah you know uh this there could be a solo acoustic version of the song that would be a great song is i guess what's so interesting about it yeah and it's even better. It's error. I don't know if it's better, but it's amazing this way. Yeah. Um, but we're never going to get through this album unless we move on, Jim So let's talk about <laughs> the national anthem. Let's do it. Uh, go for it.
0: The band has entered. Yes. Uh, um, for yeah. uh, what is a grim and brilliant rock
1: song? <laughs> it's so fucking good. Um, somebody once tried to tell me that this was a ripoff of Morphine, and maybe it is, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dot it's
0: it's it does it is a little gothic but that
1: yeah no yeah um the exterminator i think is the song and i listened to it i was like i get it the bass line is kind of similar but also so are a million other funk bass lines yes um and uh i think there were also some horns in that song but they weren't like these uh charles Mingus style horns um I don't know what to say about this song other than that it just fucking kills, man. Uh, yeah. I listened to the whole thing as loud as I could on my headphones, and my good ones, and it's it's just so awesome. Uh, and it it comes. I, back. I lose my shit. Yes. Yeah, I lose my shit to the bass line the entire time, which never changes. Yes, and is so good that it doesn't matter. Uh, along with the drums, um, and then I lose my shit even harder uh during all the horn parts especially the fat last one when those guys are uh uh losing their shit yeah and um we're all just you know losing it together it's great and you see
0: like tom just like leaping
1: up in the air as they like
0: oh, yeah. the horns hit it again you know at the end they like full epileptic seizure time. yes he there's you know a, a version of this they play the song in Saturday Night Live where they're playing it with the full like band like Saturday like house band mm-hmm. and he's like yes basically conducting. I think I watched them. that live, but maybe yes, I, don't, I, I, don't I did as well. I've I've I videotaped <laughs> it. I had like a VHS yeah. of it that I would like, go <laughs> back to. Um, so fucking good. Um and uh yeah it's just i this this song this one really reminds me of just like how many times i've like listened to this album and and as you said just completely lost my shit you know like yeah. the the times i have just like this one is like i'm like driving mm-hmm. in a dark and rainy yes. night
1: and <laughs> like i i'm like
0: i i like can't believe how hard this song is fucking rocking <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's the song you want to be listening to when you finally careen into that telephone pole. Yes. Um, Um.
0: Yeah. An interesting note for this song. So I've been reading a book um, uh, called Remain in Love by the Talking Heads drummer Chris Franz. Uh, Mm. I'll talk about that more on a a different pod. There's some interesting things around. But it it, um, got me listening to some early, very early Talking Heads bootlegs for uh, like 1977 uh 78 uh which are i mean uh talk about a band that is uh fucking was like fucking great from the moment they started talking mm, heads yes. um they were tight as hell um uh again we'll get to that later um although i I can't resist the story that like the first time David Byrne came over to write songs, like with Chris and Tina, they like wrote psycho killer, which is like, it's a pretty good sign. Yeah. (laughs) You have a good band. No shit. Um, but I listened to this, uh, bootleg of theirs. That's on, uh, it's on YouTube talking heads, uh, live at Utrecht in May, 1977. And I feel like I've seen some of this, but go they, ahead. They play their their first single, which is called Love. Uh, Love Goes to Building on Fire Goes to okay. is represented by an arrow. It's on their great it's on like their greatest hits, but it's not on their first album. Um, okay. And in that song, in this bootleg, they about like a third of the way into the song, they like hit the distortion and are actually rocking out, which is for oh, wow. Talking Heads uh, yeah. you know, amazing. And it just like really connected to me to rate like Radiohead. You know, obviously Talking Heads their they got their name yeah. from a Talking Head song. And just how that the the weirdness and the post punkness of Radiohead like connects to them. Mm-hmm. It just it all kind of came together. And like maybe like what they were drawing from from the talking from Talking Heads from you know Sonic Youth from like that time, and like yeah no what, what Heads... they're like pulling in to their band, um, yeah.
1: No, you see it especially with like that sort of like intellectualized emotionalism. In yeah, the, you would say that both that both bands share. Yes, and
0: how that still like comes out in, uh, like un, uh. Not unadorned un um uninhibited rock mm-hmm
1: um, yes. I just I saw that continuity there that rules, yes, um, this song completely kicks ass, it's arguably the most accessible song on the album, um yes, I don't remember this sensation, but I probably felt as I got to this track some relief that like. Of the rock band aspect was coming back <laughs> yeah. the first time i listened to it you yes know?
0: i'm sure that was i'm sure i'm sure
1: same yeah um even though i'm sure i loved the other songs too and in fact you know like i said the the weirdness uh pretty clearly blew my mind more than anything else uh fairly soon yeah but um yeah
0: this uh, and this and everything in its right place are the are are uh un un. Um, I'm using that on something they are unequivocally hit songs for in terms yeah. of like the Radiohead fans like they the yeah. entire crowd at a Radiohead concert now will be losing their
1: mind absolutely um, yeah uh, who can disagree yeah um, okay let's just enough about everything the national anthem it's great yes let us completely disappear Down the liffy. That was uh, the most difficult one to turn off yet. Mm. Um, just for the spot it was in. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, it had been a while, but when I re-listened to this for the episode, Joe, um, this was the song that really got stuck in my head. Mm. In the same parts that used to get stuck in my head. Um, just the ah. Parts at the end yes um or in the bridge uh oh my god <laughs> just crazy
0: yeah um, it's kind of
1: those are the i call those the michael state parts that's fair <laughs> <laughs> um and speaking of another formative 80s band on radiohead um well he said but, uh, he's the one
0: who said this phrase to tom york oh did he okay, yes there you
1: go i probably knew that at some point um no, uh, I lo- the the tension in this um, song between um, both uh, between sort of that weird orchestration and the traditional acoustic ballad thing is uh, it's really cool to just sort of trace throughout its course because like even through that part we were listening just there, there's like this constant background tense whine of strings going on that then becomes like the main you know two struggling forces of the song later on in a way that is uh i don't know when that bridge when tom is wailing and the strings are rising they really play well with the uh the almost dissonance but then ultimate harmony uh resolves so beautifully that um it's uh i don't know haunting is a word that's been overused for this band but bro i'm haunted this is the
0: this is their haunting song no doubt about it for sure um uh yes and i think this is the one this is the song that i most remember kind of being like okay this is still like radiohead (laughs)
1: yeah exactly
0: uh when we played i played the album um and uh uh yeah start strikes me uh at very very particular times um uh as as nest it's like maybe like the the song that i need i need it the least frequently but there's some times when i feel like it fits perfectly
1: <laughs> yes that's good uh, um I,
0: I was actually okay so this is a question yeah. uh
1: if you were to rank these songs.
0: Uh-huh in terms of like most depressing <laughs> i was trying to figure that out i was like it's very difficult <laughs> to do like like all of the songs on if the you're song? listening to this this album like what song you're listening to that like it's like you're the most depressed <laughs> if you're listening to this song for like um
1: oh okay which song okay which song is the most depressing which song or which indi- is indi- the indicates most the
0: large the the deepest level of depression <laughs>
1: Yeah, which song are so you're saying which song are you most likely to listen to to cope with depression or yes, deep depression? Right. Like yeah.
0: it like okay. like this song like if you're like um yes, yes, exactly. Like uh,
1: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um it's How, probably right. this song. I mean, this is the most <laughs> just pretty... melodramatic song on the album. <laughs> yes. Um and it's earned drama, but it's it's definitely like I mean, there's nothing if you're if you're feeling bad about yourself, there's nothing better than like Tom's wordless like ah, ah, ah part of the, in yeah. the middle or in the bridge. There's I nothing s- like that. I was
0: thinking that like probably if you're sitting there like listening to Tree Fingers, the next song, just like
1: <laughs> you're probably like really fucking depressed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, your Bluetooths but- <laughs> have are are on during the school shooting at that point, but um.
0: yes but this one's this one's uh, probably it because like even some of the other like if you're like listening to like motion picture soundtrack like you have like some sort of like dark joy you know going yeah.
1: on motion picture soundtrack is the song for when you gain some perspective over whatever thing you're bummed about yes totally totally how to disappear completely is when you're just it sucks and you kind of want to die but you also <laughs> yes. enjoy it yes um um yeah, yeah, but it's 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 quite a list. Yeah, no kidding. Um, no, like, I think I, I think that's that's the choice. Like, if
0: you're depressed and listening to everything in its right place, like you're very depressed. Like that is that is like a de- in that circumstance, that's a very depressing song. Yes. If you're happy um, listening to it, you could also like turn it around.
1: But yeah, no, there's some propulsion. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're depressed and listening to that, that's like you're trying to sort of like impart some momentum to your wallowing. Yeah. Whereas how to disappear or completely no- is just, yes. just right ry- wallowing. Yes, totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, um, there's a lot of like, was... I feel nothing on this album. You Absolutely.
1: Know? <laughs> um, should we note this is probably the, I mean, there were strings in Raiderhead before, but this feels like the most Johnny composed string part, uh, in uh, for you know, they're the first really truly Johnny Compose string part in Radiohead's career. Would you yes, say
0: that? yes, I I think I think that's true. Well, yeah, and I think I think he did like weird. There's some things on OK Computer like the, the yeah strings. yeah yeah climbing up the walls yeah. has some stuff. But like but that's this is like That's for effect. This
1: sounds like yeah. one of his non Radiohead compositions. To yes, some extent. yes, and
0: again, that's where this this album is is definitely the pivot point to like all the like. What is great about Radiohead? in, you know, uh, the second yeah. half of Radiohead's
1: career. Yeah, second two thirds. Yeah, the... not
0: not temporally, but yeah,
1: yeah, um, exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah, great song. Yeah, um, yeah, it does feel uh, so. Okay, here we'll we'll pause. I think this might be the best four track sequence in Radiohead history. Hmm uh yes i certainly
0: well the one thing i'll agree with for sure is that i think coming up we listen to tree fingers and i think that there are two distinct halves to this album where these these four songs um and then the next five songs uh with tree finger in between are very different and that's something i maybe really Mm -hmm. realized just even in the like preparing to talk about it here is how much of a distinction there is there.
1: Um, yeah, it's a pretty vinyl-friendly album in that respect. Yeah. assuming that the two halves fit uh, uh, on a whole side together. Yeah, but but, but um, they
0: it uh, it is quite a
1: um. No, I it's can't. a it's a clear mark. Like you sit you you listen to all that, and then you listen to Tree Fingers and. It's like uh, just taking a deep breath before you do this other thing on the second half. Yeah, I would say that um,
0: uh, best four songs, like we could get into that. I I like that. I think that um, uh, you're not going to, probably my only real, let's see, what. how could I compete with that? I could go Reckoner, House of Cards, Jigsaw, and Videotape, but um, I don't
1: see. I don't think I like in Videotape a lot, but I don't think it's it's yeah up there with these four um, songs. I could go. Well,
0: I would What's probably just go with. Um, yeah, see, the problem is like in limbo. I like in limbo, Idiotech, and Motion Picture Soundtrack. But like I don't think I'd put more if Morning Bell is one of the four, I wouldn't necessarily go. That kind of takes that out a little bit.
1: Yeah, we'll um, get there, but I don't think that's close, even though yeah. there's two at least two great songs in there.
0: Um uh, hold, hold on. Now I have to I yeah, have I'm, to I have to I'm, look I'm
1: looking this. up this track, track list, so Yeah, um, I I
0: think where you get I think actually the Best four songs. Like if you go airbag, paranoid android, subterranean, homesick alien, and exit music is a.
1: That's really very tough That's very amazing. good for as That's is.
0: Amazing. Climbing up the walls. No surprises. Lucky and the tourists.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, those are all great, but I don't think that
1: that comes close. That to this. me,
0: uh, yeah. Well, I, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> doesn't. This is a This is one of those arguments where you're just arguing about. Uh, you know, Personal I mean, if I were to do in rainbows, I would probably actually go for the first four tracks rather than the last four. Like
0: yeah, four. I was actually going to think I was actually thinking that now that I'm looking at that. I mean, that's to have that's it, a, that's yeah. fucking murderous. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, that's in rainbows is um, a yeah. uh, when we get there in seven years. Um, uh, twenty uh. Well, that's
1: the one we don't need a vinyl reissue of, though, because we already got a ludicrous vinyl issue. Yes,
0: that is like maybe one of the best vinyl issues uh, issues of all time. Um, yeah. But I would say, you know, probably for me that th- like this song How to disappear completely is is that one to me. I probably feel a way about that that I imagine I'm guessing you feel about optimistic um like less i'm like less enthused about it
1: oh really Uh, interesting yeah no i see i i love this song yeah yeah it's uh the just that i mean so it is a little bit like during the sort of standard acoustic parts it's not quite as remarkable of a radiohead song but yeah the, the the crescendo is so good that um it's in my it's in my radiohead pantheon just yeah basically. yeah
0: um yes and uh i i get it but i mean i love it i love it i mean it's yeah. just i'm just talking about
1: oh i don't like, i'm not taking this as nine a nine out of ten blaspheming anything exactly yeah. and i'm putting it as a 10. ten yeah that's fine exactly uh um, all right
0: let's listen to tree fingers <laughs> let's listen to tree fingers
1: calming i feel calmed
0: it feels calm Uh, as well there's now an you know you can now get the extended version of that track thanks to the radiohead public (laughs) library
1: you know what's funny is i've always thought of it as being really long just because you know kind of nothing happens and you it's uh but it's actually much shorter than all the songs around it it's under four minutes whereas we've got like six minute type songs and
0: uh and it's very good (laughs) I mean, it it is, it is, uh, if you're uh, like, just let yourself go, uh, there are, it is, you can see why they fell in love with the particular uh, palette for this song.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not like an ambient guy, and I think we've talked about that. Um, But uh, it serves a purpose on this album, for sure. It's interesting and uh, ruminative. Yeah. uh in a way that's good after the climax i just talked about and how to disappear completely you kind of need a minute to it, catch your breath
0: it feels like it felt like at the time that they were like making a point by including like a straight up ambient track that yeah. was like obviously uh just not pop at all yeah free of anything <laughs> but but they yeah. interesting sounds it um and uh, i'm f- i'm fond of it it's just the thing yeah. it's just it's part of this album uh, no,
1: again it it once you're once you get through Tree Fingers, you are ready for the sudden guitar attack of Optimistic, yeah, to drop in on you.
0: Yeah, like sitting some like acoustic rocker here or something, like you know one of the B- amnesiac B sides. Like it just wouldn't be the same, you know. Like I think this is like yeah. it's it's like total commitment to this album.
1: Yeah, you know, other I remember. I forget which uh which after which album it was but somebody referred to one of the later albums as having the mid album palate cleanser um in the classic Radiohead style uh, of which this is the first example um and then you have like yes. um, Faust, Arp on In Rainbows um and yeah. uh Feral Now that I'm thinking about it I can't think of which th- Feral oh, Feral yeah, exactly. and then Glass um, Glass
0: Eye but the the difference between Yes. Except yes. I, I always argue that glass eyes for sure. Those three songs are well Pharaoh's Weird. Pharaoh's Well those more are like a lot more one. like
1: the uh, some uh, yeah. Fa- Faust yeah. Arp is, is but, um, an awesome but song. But yeah, a lot of those are more like the sort of a, it, oh, so good. It's arguably, it's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> yes, I'm like but, obsessed um, with Faust. Oh, They're more like Faust the acoustic Arp. ballad that you were talking about being in here. yeah Yeah, it's so good i it gets stuck in my head all the time yeah but anyway and glass eyes is also i think probably the best song on that album but anyway yeah um uh those are more like the acoustic song that you're saying could be here and it's cool it is it is probably the most in your face this is not a pop album uh move of uh the album um to just again four minutes of ambient music
0: yes yes um, I will avoid talking about Faustarp and Glass Eyes. Apparently, we share a, a, a love for those songs. Not surprised, but um, oh, so good, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's listen to Optimistic. Optimistic. Uh, I have no problem being the mm-hmm. champion of this song. I, it's been my f- uh, uh, good friend uh, since the album came out. I remember driving around Winter Park listening to this. It came on the radio, even though no singles were released. Mm. Um, and I like it's. I love it's uh, sort of. Uh, it rocks without uh, ever. Um, rocks in a latent way there's a a lot of menace to it a lot of uh, uh, kind of grinding dissatisfaction um, and anger in it Um, and uh, definitely has my favorite uh, uh, lyrics of the album um uh even though I mean I don't know this album is an interesting lyrical situation because mm-hmm. it, it's very much Tom being sticking hard to his is a core group of images for each song um but uh you know uh yeah, just you can try the best you can the best you can is good enough and uh the uh this little piggy, uh play in verse two this one's optimistic this one meant to market uh this one just came out of the swamp is fun and you get to um uh the ending image of dinosaurs roaming the earth i don't know i like that image it's a good one i can't really explain it Um, um yeah
1: Have I spoken against the song? Because you talk about being a champion. No, no. Uh, I just,
0: I think it's, I think I may, I think you, as I said, I I have no problem with being the 10 of 10 person on this song, where I think you may be the 9 of 10.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's more like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I love it. It's a great song. Um, Yeah. I will say, the, we've probably said this before, but the funk outro version at the end is so good. It's so So good. good. (laughs) And then it, might be it the actually best gets better on the album. <laughs> it really might. Um the when I was listening to it, my good headphones cranked way up, like that fucking pumps that yes. uh little thirty seconds or whatever you get of that. And um I would pay ten dollars for a single of just that track. Yes. But anyway that um... yes.
0: that the transition <laughs> of that to the like to into in limbo mm-hmm. is is fucking fantastic.
1: It is pretty perfect, yeah. Um but yeah, no, it's a great song. Um it's like I think I think what actually bothered me about this song for years is that this song was always billed as the the one on the album by like the reviewers that was like, "Oh, there is like uh there is a guitar rock song on here." And just because of the kind of guitar rock music that I really wanted at the time, I found it disappointing. Purely when mm-hmm. evaluated in that light, you know, because it's not like a hard rock song by any means. It's not like listening to um, Paranoid Android. You know, um, you're not like throwing the horns up or anything. Um, but uh, so just because of that one, just because of that framing, and this is actually why I stopped reading re- pre-reviews of albums before I bought them. That if they were, if it was an album that I really, you know, already wanted to listen to and cared about. Yes, um, because I was so annoyed at how my expectations were, you know, misled and set. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, just for that one reason, I probably held something against the song. But uh, as both my uh, mon- monomaniacal focus on that kind of music and um, that particular experience have faded, uh, no, this is a great song. It's really good. Yeah,
0: um, and. Uh... I know that's yes. I, I think that's yeah. probably about that. That's probably about it. For this the lyrics one. you
1: highlighted are great. Uh, I will. I, I do want to acknowledge that. And um, more and more great the more leftward our politics shift. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> totally. Oh man. So yeah. Speaking of that transition, let's go listen to "In Limbo." Yes. What does this song? What does it make you feel?
0: Man, I don't even know. Some in a way, <laughs> like I, I wrote, I was taking notes, and I like, I'm like, I still kind of like, what is this song? It's, <laughs> that's it's, how I feel about it too. You're it's, good. The, it's, um, this moment of extreme tension with the keyboard intro, or you know, I, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a real instrument, but just like,
1: it, yeah i know what you're saying
0: it, it there's these little stings and then the swells hit swells is a good word for the guitar part and i hate some ways i think this is the most radiohead song on this album like it's a real <laughs> radiohead banger yeah it's grungy um Kinda. in a way like it, it kind of has that that um you know, wall of, of messy sound. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's continues to grow on me. I, I think it's, you know, I, yes, just going to say all these songs are great, but I think this one, um, has a quality to it that really holds up. And, um, uh stays like very relevant to me like i'm just very moved like not even just like like physically moved by this song i don't know it's it's great
1: that's interesting i um, i uh i feel like if i were to cut a song from this album this would actually be the easiest one for me to cut mm. and i that's not like a slam it's yeah. definitely interesting yeah um it feels it's sort of jazzy in that respect i guess for me in that it's like it's more interesting than it is moving yeah which is not true for the rest of this album um yeah but um uh it definitely that said it does contribute to the mood almost in a similar way to tree fingers it keeps you in this sort of like grim contemplative mood of the album without and and sort of passes you off to the next song which is another spectacular crescendo of the album so Uh, it makes sense in that respect i I think that the core like in this the if this
0: album has a story which you know it, it it blissfully is not you know actually like a you know any sort of rock opera and it has some sort of i mean it is like Vague. it's
1: not a concept album in the yes sense. they yeah.
0: they like you know Tom has said it's about like the first human clone or whatever but you know i don't think yeah. he like actually i don't think that's actually like there's a, not actually a story there i think that's more yeah, the exactly. story of the album's title um <laughs> exactly um but like the the you're living in a fantasy world chorus seems like very mm-hmm. like much part of this album um and uh uh i think the outro is really where this sh- song shines actually um where tom is kind of wailing i yeah. uh he's guess he's wailing come back and the song is dissolving um mm-hmm. there's still that mantra
1: going on uh which is apparently- yeah that's what's so interesting about it is that it's just like so like it's hard to even tell what's going on with the music like it feels like a thousand guitar notes at once all the time
0: um which is apparently apparently the Lundy fastnet irish Sea is part of the shipping like bbc uh shipping forecast mm. uh it's a british thing but you know like sort of like a nice bit of uh weird mundane ephemera um but uh uh yeah I don't know. I think you're. I think it's like, it's just part of. It's it's part of Kid A, and it's it's good. It's good live too. <laughs> it's, it's you know, and and I'm a ooh. Radiohead live fan, and I I think that when you listen to concerts from this time live, uh, this song really slaps.
1: I would I would listen to a live album version of this song. Yeah, and, uh, see if that's there's the a good there's
0: radio there's a live in Berlin uh, uh, bootleg from this time that is great quality and really really fucking good. Um and then Radiohead in their um you know stay home uh kind of concert releases they did recently. They did live from a tent in Dublin. Um and I, th- I believe this is one of the I think this one's in there. That's that's another. Those are the two like kid a live shows that I'm like go listen to. Mm. Um Well
1: the, the, the production and the arrangement on the song is so thick that uh it seems yeah. like it would be m- more apt to be elucidated by live versions than a lot of other tracks would you yeah. know what I'm saying yes you're gonna get a different take yes. on the actual structure of the pop song underneath yes um, I'm just confirming that it's in
0: yes it's in part of the the the, really that radio ed the live from the tent in Dublin is a just fucking great record mm-hmm. of this time period okay uh, live
1: um, uh, if you send me a link I will listen i will but if you don't i will forget yes um, um
0: sending it now uh and this song oh. it dissolves into mm-hmm. the, banger. the banger the banger the daddy banger <laughs> the daddy of all bangers idiot attack! here
1: it comes no the i don't know that somehow that that little just like verse melody he does with his voice is so good and the self-harmonization um i think that's what really sells this uh i mean it's a great track but it's what turns it into um i don't know that sample they they get is pretty great it's. I'm not going to take away from that, but this that that chord progression in the sample plus Tom's self harmonization on the lyrics is so good. No, it's 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 also uh,
0: a uh, amazing like A plus song on top of yeah. you know what is just the best like sampled rock dance track you've ever. Heard. Yeah. It's it's a great song
1: yeah i really it's hard to think of a better um you know let's call it pure electronic song if you don't count the voice Well it's like um, yeah and yeah whatever guitar is sort of layered on top here and there it's it's
0: like um it's the crown i mean it's the crown you know the crowning achievement of this album you know mm-hmm. one of them for the band uh it
1: um and like like everybody likes the song like my yes. brother's dumb id uh edm friends love this song you know what i'm saying yeah um and i think if you listen to this on headphones like
0: there's it's it's the you can just hear the mix is uh it's wild it's very like sent. it's like close in it's centered and -hmm. there's like but then there's these like drum sounds off to the side and uh there is a, um, you know, and, and you get to the chorus, which is, like, also, like, there's, like, a classic Radiohead sad acoustic song, like, in the chorus, you mm-hmm. know, like, like buried in there. It's just, you know, Tom wailing. Um, yes.
1: Just, like, almost nakedly, because there's so, it's, you know, for most of the song, it's the beat and Tom singing, and then sometimes that sample, which is not overwhelming sonically. Um, yeah so uh you know people at the time i remember people talking about how tom didn't even really want to sing anymore but it's you know this is about as naked yeah. as his voice ever is in this That's, song
0: yeah and i never really be- that part that seems like the least believable part of all this
1: <laughs> that seems like the kind of note you would jot down after the first two tracks and then yeah uh read later and put into your review yeah um
0: uh it's it's uh pretty much as close to perfect as you can get. Um, and I will so say good. that uh, um, the ending of this song is there's like after the beat drops up, there's about 20 seconds that are some of the best sounds on this album. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like a different thing and it's oft overlooked, but it is uh fucking cool
1: yeah there's a sort of like orchestral swell uh type of thing going on there that's, yes
0: um, yes but it's like i don't know waxing and waning
1: yeah no no yes. yeah it's really good yes i could listen to that as a theme of something as well um i don't know this is like this song is so good and was so important in my music history that i almost don't want to talk about it. but i guess i'll just say like more than anything else about this album, this was the track that made me be like, "I guess, I guess, electronic music is what I listen to now." Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely in terms of Radiohead, it's
0: probably it's the most important song they ever released. I mean, I I think that this is what is you know, uh, it's
1: the most emblematic song.
0: Perhaps. Yes. If we talk about the validation of their like them claiming total artistic freedom. You know, and total, um, you know, uh, uh, justifying their departure from uh, what is generally commercially successful. It's it's this song. They're like, we can do whatever we want, and it will still be, um, you know, groundbreaking and fucking great to listen to. Absolutely, this is it.
1: Okay, we said it. We did. Let's listen to Morning Bell. Yeah. suggested earlier that this might be lower on your list for this album do you have any thoughts in that regard uh well you know low
0: is relative um yes. i uh um can't really def- i mean i can't like uh i have no reason to dislike this song and i really enjoy it i sing along to the chorus that release me mm-hmm. Is uh catchy, um, yeah. and it's got that great sampled drum beat. Probably who knows who knows what Phil is doing. Who knows what they're doing? It sounds with electronic. Phil? Um, they do weird things to Phil. Morning
2: um, <laughs> uh, no, <I> so. <laughs> Bell has a
0: <laughs> is strange because Radiohead weirdly also put it on Amnesiac. It was a strange song to like release twice yeah and it got way weirder
1: the second time Uh, yeah
0: it's it's i don't um the only thing i'd say is like maybe tom was like getting divorced at that around (laughs) then i I don't know um uh which you know actually i don't think so i think he got like divorced i mean who knows who knows but like that you know maybe there is some some reasoning there uh but um uh it is a cool song
1: uh yeah yeah see i think you know uh i think you and i have are i feel like in limbo about how you feel about like morning bell i do think <laughs> the kid a morning bell is probably the least essential album track uh in radiohead's discography but, yes um, <laughs> yes um uh i don't know this one is just enough funk to it that um mm-hmm. i dig it and um uh, you know, with that drum track and then the uh, bass and uh, Rhodes piano or whatever it is, synth thing, on top. Um, it's a good track. It um, I agree. It doesn't quite reach the heights of uh, some of the other ones, but um, it again keeps the vibe and the mood going, which is arguably even more important. Well, um,
0: I th- I think yeah. with with this song and like with with In Limbo, and I think you know there's. It's still, like, Kid A isn't like this, you know, it's not like this glowing oracle of of truth. Maybe it is, maybe it is a little bit that, but it's also still like an album. It's still like a rock yeah. album.
1: No, no, um, it's, it's expecting too much to expect every song to be just, like, interstellar
0: yeah and it's it's still of its you know i think it's still a little bit of its time you know i think that's yeah. one thing when you read these reviews you're like it's you know you're always like it's so ahead of its time it's so uh you know it prophesies what's to come it still sounds fresh now and you know it, it those things they're not false but it's also like it occurred in like the year 2000 when you know rock music was like going out of fashion and there were like a lot of forces napster and you know Mm. mp3s and there was a lot of like weird forces like creating the stage for people to um wholeheartedly embrace uh a weird album like this versus like you know write it up as like a strange aberration Uh um and, uh, um, it does like capture, you know, uh, I think it captures a little bit that time when, um, a particularly like beautiful time when like the internet, uh, was, uh, you know, actually going to like free information and that there was like, there was, This possibility that we would like have um uh you know it it would be like an an expression of humanity that was like overall positive um Mm. i don't know that's it's it kind of reminds me of that like a hopefulness to the the early internet um and of the like 2000 that is um you know Obviously, not what I feel when I log onto the internet right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that might just be a getting old, but I agree that that wasn't more in the air, and that this album probably did benefit from that in that way. Um, no, you're right. uh saying you know this album changed everything um, is probably putting too much on it. I mean, people argued at me at the time, like other other children like me, um that it was not so. And it's mostly you. I've come to realize since then that it's a stupid way to think about art yes. at all. Is that uh, it? If it didn't shift the epoch, it can't be you know the truly greatest. Um, that's just a. This is not actually how art works. Um, it doesn't have to be a totally original statement of pure, unprecedented genius. Um, first of all, that doesn't exist, and second of all, that's not actually what makes great art. But anyway. Um, uh, I will say that the still sounds fresh part of what you were saying, um, that part is rarer and is true of this album. That yes. Like it really, like if you were making an experimental rock album now, you couldn't make it sound any better than this album. Yeah. Um, you know? Well, yeah. And I think that's, this album is as good
0: as rock music can be. I mean, yes, it's not the only album at that level, but it, it is there. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, I It's hard to conceive of something better. Exactly. Um, Unimprovable is a word I've seen used in this situation. Yes. Um, Yes. Okay. Morning Bell, any final thoughts before we move on to motion picture soundtrack? No,
0: let's listen. Let's listen. All right.
1: that was the one track where I actually just sort of like got lost in the music and forgot to turn it off for a minute. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you got to get to that change, man. That's uh, mm. the, from the, the, like the organ. Uh, yeah. Harmonium. If you harmonium. Want that, uh, uh, I think famously barely ever worked live. They had a lot trouble sure with the song because I couldn't get it to work. To Johnny's sampled harp, which he like what didn't just play the well I wanted to play the harp he wanted to just play samples of the harp
1: yeah Uh, hey I want to apologize by the way a harmonium is also called a pump organ so I was a dick to try to correct you there you go go that's fine yeah
0: yeah, this song uh, remains uh, by um, our joint definition of meaning perhaps where our definition of meaningful music (laughs) combines um talk about a song that still remains absolutely like when i listen Mm. to it just relevant in the moment to emotional states uh Mm -hmm. this song um is is
1: that it's just it's powerful it is um it's beautiful and it's uh I think it was probably the first of the famous Radiohead unreleased songs to get the album treatment uh, years after fans have been clamoring for it. Yes. I don't know if that's true, but it feels like it. Um, all the way through True Love Waits on the most recent album. But um, all of which seem to be ballads every time. Mm-hmm. I feel like they just don't know what to do with the ballads to make them interesting. Yes. Um, Fo-
0: follow Me Around being one of the, the remaining... Mm, uh, yes. gem
1: absolutely um, uh nude is the best one if you ask me in terms of how it ended up on the album but anyway yes. moving on um, uh, this song is great it's uh it's it's really the perfect ending to the album it's uh yeah. you know they found a, a great way to make this uh, ballad be both beautiful and weird and um uh, what else is it? And Cheap sex and red wine. That is a great line. Yeah, That's really tough to overcome that. Yes.
0: Uh, uh, and the, yes, the lyric, I, I think these actually are the best lyrics. The, the arguably, yes. Yeah. The second, you know, the stop sending letters, letters always get burned. Mm. Uh, uh, and then that, that one final line, uh, I will see you in the next life
1: is just, yes. Uh, the, Followed by a minute later, a song snippet that sounds kind of like entering heaven. So yes, the final code, the untitled like coda. Yes, uh, which by the way is a separate track on Spotify, which is horse shit. Yes, they they are trying to keep people from having to listen to a bunch of silence and wonder what's going on with their Spotify at the end of this album. And yeah, I Bullshit. am against it. Yes, yeah. um,
0: but yes, the timing of it on the original album is absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I think that this song, it's like that, that, that last line, it just, it, there's a sense of, um, uh, there's a way to, it, it almost brings the whole album, like kind of in alignment, um, in a, a slightly shocking way, like with, with you know, your own life, I feel like, where suddenly you like these these sort of like feelings of alienation and, you know, living out of the wrong life an alternate life that <laughs> you could say, go through this. I feel like this song is like, and this is how this applies to like the everyday, like, you know, sad things or normal things you go through you know it's 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 a final like cipher for that
1: mm-hmm. yeah i see what you're saying it's uh yeah it's very much a human melodrama type of song that is um i mean it sounds like the closing credits of a of a, uh, a sad love story type of movie is this the um, real
0: exit music for a film <laughs> yes
1: well motion picture soundtrack they, yeah. they really were playing around <laughs> with that um yeah i realized as soon as i made that comparison i was like oh they literally already made the comparison in the song title. <laughs> but um uh yeah no i get what you're saying it's much more grounded in um just the kind of things that radiohead songs were about you know on, before this especially on like uh, you know two albums before um it's uh and um uh, but still with the w- new style and it's it's perfect um bringing yeah. it back to that human level at the end of all this sort of like you know somewhat more philosophical or abstract uh emotion slash alienation is uh, a powerful move i think and they pulled it off
0: yes yes totally and um I I feel like mentioning elitist note that just I had someone once argue to me that they like you know, they liked the acoustic rock version of this and they were like disappointed okay. by the instrumentation here. And I, I mean was like, fair. That I don't know. That person is that opinion is entirely wrong. This <laughs> the instrumentation here is like
1: fucking Genius okay yes for the song certainly in this case i love it but like with true love waits like i kind of like the live version better that that's a different song and i we can accept it but for
0: this song like the way that it like it does have that cinematic quality yeah. their their judgment was perfect to take it and like make it a collage against these other songs sounds absolutely it's it's um it's awesome yeah. it's like you know they they don't they didn't miss with this album they did not they miss did not. <laughs> just no, once um, man miss just once tom said no yeah. he did not miss he did not
1: um, um yeah that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry i had only bad jokes going through my head so i had to move on yes um anyway um yeah, Joe, we've been yakking for two hours about uh, Holy to, God to the best thing to happen this Motherfucker. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you have any any
1: any closing thoughts on this album that we didn't get to? No, I just I'm so glad we had a chance to talk about Radiohead. Um, Me too. <laughs> they're a great band. They are, and I can't wait to do it all again in three months when there's a vaccine and they release the special edition that they're sitting on right now. Yes, we will be, we will be
0: here. I have, have more things to talk about. Um, now I do want.
1: If they said, you know what, uh, we're not even telling you any details about it, but uh, it's going to retail for three hundred dollars, but you can get it now for two hundred dollars. I would just send them the two hundred. Yes.
2: Right <laughs>
0: I think we I think we discussed before that like I have like I feel like I have a budget. I feel like in my mind I'm budgeting up to one thousand dollars. Exactly. <laughs> Jonathan,
1: I would still buy it.
0: I'm like, all right. It's like it's like seven hundred eighty nine dollars. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I just
1: I I have to skip a vacation or something. I have to press buy. <laughs> I can't not have it. That would be crazy. Uh, that would just be stupid. <laughs> it would make no sense. Indeed. Um, indeed. All right, people, hit us on our socials, please. I need to go to bed.
0: Yeah, I'm going to tie this into the Smashing Pumpkins for about
1: 15 minutes. <laughs> we didn't say them for once. We didn't even mention them at all. <laughs> and not on purpose. I had no strict prohibition, but it naturally did not happen. It's there amazing. It's <laughs> now. oh man i even saw a picture of billy with a beard in my google news feed god today. damn it
0: okay now i'm pressing <laughs> stop after that it's...